DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is an adaptation of the Catholic Catechism. It serves as a resource for those who wish to become acquainted with Catholicism. It is an invitation for all the faithful to continue growing in the understanding of Jesus Christ and His saving love for all people. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Chapter 4. Bring About the Obedience of Faith Missionary to the American People Isaac Thomas Hecker was born in New York City in 1819 to John and Caroline Frundhecker, who were both immigrants from areas in present-day Germany. Isaac was one of three sons born into the family. Though his mother was known to have had ties to the Methodist Church, None of the boys seemed to have been given any religious instruction. Nor did Isaac receive a formal education. Instead, he educated himself. This thirst for knowledge began his journey of faith. As an adult, Isaac found himself drawn to the plight of the working class. At first he tried his hand at politics, but was soon disheartened with the political climate of his age which was largely driven by a thirst for power rather than a concern for one's fellow man. Eventually, at the inspiration of his friend, Orestes Bronson, Isaac was baptized by Bishop John McCloskey in New York in January of 1844. Isaac's zeal for the faith grew. Only a year after his baptism, he joined the Redemptorist in Belgium, and was ordained a priest in 1849. Returning to the United States in 1851, Isaac was determined to bring the Catholic faith to others. He became one of the foremost lecturers in the United States on the Catholic faith, filling auditoriums beyond capacity in New York, Boston, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, and other cities. He saw his mission as an evangelical, to bring the fullness of faith to the non-Catholic and many times hostile anti-Catholic population of America. In 1857, Isaac Hecker made a trip to Rome in order to seek a resolution to a difficulty that had arisen between the American Redemptorists and their superiors. The meeting did not go well and resulted in the expulsion of Isaac and four others from the order. Blessed Pius IX, having been informed of the plight of Hecker and his companions, dispensed them from their vows to the Redemptorist and encouraged them to found a new congregation with a missionary emphasis. Soon thereafter, Isaac Hecker became the first superior of the Missionary Society of St. Paul the Apostle later known as the Paulist. Throughout his life, Isaac diligently worked to promote evangelization in American culture. 
particularly through the print media. He organized the Catholic Publication Society and became the founder of the Catholic World Magazine, the director of Catholic Youth, and author of three books. He did all this while continuing to be the first superior of the Paulist and preaching tirelessly to thousands across the country. The motivation behind these efforts was always to drive to teach everyone the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith. It was the love of this faith that led Isaac Hecker to dedicate his life to serving Christ and Catholic Americans. Today, the Paulist, following in the footsteps of their founder, who died in 1888 after a long illness, are present in parishes, campus ministry, major city information centers, publishing, and electronic, print, and broadcast media. Knowing our faith and then sharing it with others is the responsibility of every Catholic. Father Isaac Hecker is a good example of one who lived out that responsibility. Welcome, Your Excellency. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be with you. The gift of faith, I don't think I ever really truly appreciated its fullness until I actually read this chapter. I think you're very right. To reflect on the gift of faith and the response that is uh, invited from us when the gift of faith is offered is really foundational as we uh, begin to go through the other chapters of this adult catechism. So I'm glad that the authors took some time here early in this study to look at the gift of faith itself. In earlier chapters, we've talked about God's revelation, that God's not trying to be obscure or hiding from us. God is Mm -hmm. reaching out to us because we're built, made, created for a relationship with God. As soon as we begin to have this understanding that, that God is revealing himself to us, then there's something in us that very normally would want to respond. And of course, that's what God is asking, expecting, we might say. So that the gift of faith has this two-sided participation. It really is the gift of a relationship that God is offering us with himself. Yeah, I think that's key because I think in, in just in my understanding of the gift of faith, it was something that would be just given. That dynamic of it being also a response required by us, that offers in that whole relationship aspect, doesn't it? It does, and dynamic is a very good word, because faith is not a static thing. It's not just, it's not a prize, it's not an object that we that we possess, but it is this initiative taken by God that invites a response from us. And the adult catechism uses a beautiful example of, it refers to as this obedience of faith in the Annunciation of the Blessed Mother, where God speaks to her, offers her a very important singular relationship, and she responds in faith and shapes her whole life then in obedience to this gift of faith. And you know we see both at that moment of her response, but then as her response is lived out her whole life long in so many different circumstances, what a dynamic relationship this is that God calls us to. The key to that was her yes. God is reaching out. He revealed himself. Just as we've gone through in the last few chapters, he reveals himself, and then it's her yes. And it becomes a lifetime of response. It's, it? it's that simple and it's that challenging that when we say yes, as Mary learned, there was a lot that flowed from her yes. And as she renewed it at every stage of her life, it in a sense demanded more from her, more obedience, more faith, more trust in the plan of God, which we can sometimes see just a step at a time. So if we are really responding to God in our lives with the gift of our lives as Mary did, 
completely, then requires living in faith, trusting that God will be God and mm -hmm. who we are will be enough. God has initiated this relationship with us, and so we can be comfortable being ourselves mm -hmm. because we know that God is God and we don't have to be. Point one that's found in chapter four under this believe in the Lord Jesus is that faith is a personal and a communal relationship. So it, it's not just about our relationship with God, but it seems to encompass so much more. Well, because God is a trinity of persons, and so we're related in faith to the triune God, but then also to all of the other persons with whom God has initiated this relationship of faith. We see this so beautifully in the church. The church that our Lord has established makes it possible for us in the communion of believers to receive revelation from God, to discern, not just on our own, but with the help of, of others, discern God's will for us. And then we see how we are able to live it out in obedience to this gift of faith, not in a dreamy way, but in a particular set of circumstances in our own time and place with the people that God has entrusted to our care or, or who are given to us as our neighbors. He really emphasizes that in the gospel, doesn't he, when Jesus sends them out two by two. And we see that in the Acts of the Apostles and the letters. They're always going out in community. He even sent the Spirit in a very vibrant way to a community of people. We'll talk more about the work of the devil and, and the effects of sin later on, but we can say that, that it's a short way, that it's the work of the devil to isolate us or to isolate anyone. And, of course, it's God's desire is communion, that we are in communion with him and, and with one another. So whenever we see that someone is isolated or when we feel ourselves becoming too private or secretive and even in our life of faith, we realize that's, that something needs adjusting mm -hmm. and that we're being called to something more than that. God's calling us out of ourselves to a faith-filled relationship with him, but also with our brothers and sisters. That's why parish relationship is important. It's important to belong to a, a faith community. Even though it may have some struggles, we may have our, we may worry about certain things and aspects, whether it, it's life in the school or whether or not the decorations are, are done right at, at a certain point. I don't mean to bring up the negative, but the challenges to community, we persevere through them. Uh, that's right. There will be challenges. You know, in, in the sense the Lord promises us that we're going to have, have challenges. And because we're in this community of, of imperfect people, all of us responding to God in faith, but we do that imperfectly. But it really is essential that we do have this experience of, of faith community. And a Catholic parish is a, a beautiful example of that. Mm. Number two says that faith seeks understanding and is a friend of reason. Faith and reason really can be wed, can't they? They must be, and, and that's the, um, a beautiful um, element of our Catholic tradition, that, that these are two warring concepts. Uh, the truth is one, and, and truth ultimately is found in God. Uh, God reveals truth in a person, uh, Jesus Christ, the second person of the, of the Trinity. So the, we, we can't comprehend that, that uh, the journey of faith and the journey seeking truth through reason would lead us in two different directions. Mm. because the truth is ultimately found in God. So we can say with some confidence from some experience that what we believe is reasonable. In a sense, it's beyond reason. It's not confined to reason. But there are very beautiful and logical ways of thinking that enhance our faith and help us understand how we might hang on to the faith, that it's not something too cloudy or without form, that we can begin to come to an understanding with the use of our human reason. Faith as a gift, it is about relationship, revelation and our response 
to God. And so that reason is going to be able to assimilate into that. It makes sense in a quite a beautiful way, doesn't it? Right, our ability to reason, to think, is part of who we are. That's how God has created us. So if we are going to be able to respond, and we can, uh, to God's invitation with the gift of faith, and reason is an important part of it, and the development of our reason in the service of this relationship with God always. We see that we or others can run into trouble if, if reason sort of runs off in its own direction mm-hmm. and begins to think that things that are revealed to us by God are somehow either not true or, or inadequate. Our reason really does help us to study the faith, to learn it, and then to appreciate it all the more. The third point found in the chapter is that faith is necessary for salvation. That's key, and it's about that relationship. I mean, it's not just saying, I, I believe. There's no salvation without God and no eternal life without God, no fulfillment of all of our deepest human hopes and desires uh, without life in, in God. So faith is this relationship, first offered by God, then uh, answered by our response, that puts our feet on this journey that will lead us ultimately to full life with God. So yes, faith is that essential ingredient. You know, the scripture says it, teaching of our church says it, but it makes great sense. If salvation is something beyond what I've got at this moment, then it, it has to be in a relationship with God. We'll be talking more about this later into the chapters, but it's important to remember this particular point because if faith is in relationship, that lack of response on our part can affect salvation. And that's essentially what happens in that breaking off from sin. Right. Yeah, we'll see more about that later on. But sure, God is offering always and inviting Mm -hmm. and always respects our freedom. So he gives us the great dignity so that we're able to respond freely. And so it's our response. It's God's initiative, but it's our response. So it's a true relationship. We each have our own part because we have our own nature. And so God's initiative is far greater than our response, but our response is essential to the relationship of faith. Number four, faith is a gift of grace. Sometimes we struggle with faith. You know, we feel like our faith is weak, or, or we look at somebody else and think, well, I wish I had the kind of faith that she has, or I wish I had that, that much faith. Mm-hmm. But we can be sure that God is giving us the grace to be able to respond so that as the invitation comes to us from God, we are able to respond. Sometimes we feel our response is pretty weak or puny, but God will always give us the grace. So he's not teasing us, I guess we might say, you know, offering us something that we can't possibly grab hold of, just sort of taunting us with the possibility of faith, but no way really to, to actually have it. The word grace itself means gift, and so faith is a grace. It's God's gift to us, but also the the strength is given to us to to make the response. He'll never give us something we can't handle. And he's not going to dangle something in front of us that isn't calling us to a deeper relationship Mm -hmm. with him, just to say as a matter of somehow teasing us with something that really isn't for us. The fifth point is, faith is a free human act. We talk about making an act of faith. Sometimes there are prayers that have that title, but also our side of this relationship is an action. It's a choice. It's a response on our part. We're not just sort of washed over with faith. We're not just dragged along with the tide, but God offers this life-giving invitation to us. And then from our humanity, where else could we come from? We're able to say yes to it. So it's beautiful to think that there could be a personal relationship between Almighty God and me (laughs) and you and any of us. It's not a relationship of equals, but it's a relationship truly. I don't mean to overemphasize the relationship aspect of the gift of faith, but it really is a different way of 
approaching how we view God. Because when sometimes when you look at other religions, or we even look at Old Testament interpretations of God, without that act of faith, can be very harsh, very judgmental, very ruling. This is very giving, actually, very loving. Well, and, and that's personified in Christ, of course. But it's important that we see the act of faith as a response to God as he is truly, as he revealed himself to us. So not a, a God that we're afraid might be out there or a God that formed in our own image. But as we talked so beautifully before about the gift of revelation, mm-hmm. it's revelation that, in a sense, that mediates this understanding of God to us in a very personal way so that our response is response really to God and not some figment of our own imagination. The sixth point is that faith believes with conviction in a message. And there's revelation. As we talk about the gift of faith in the Catholic Church, in our Catholic tradition, we understand that God is calling us as we respond in faith to him to respond in faith to all that he reveals to be true and and good for us, for the world, so that we don't become a a kind of a vaguely spiritual people and say, you know, I think there's something beyond what I see here in a very vague way. But we do have a body of truths. We have the deposit of faith, we sometimes call it, as we talked in an earlier chapter about scripture and tradition, expressions of God, revelation. So we put trust then in what God is revealing in the message that comes to us from Revelation because we see in Jesus Christ that God and the Word are not separate. God's not revealing truth that is somehow disjointed from self. So our ascent to having a relationship with God is also an embrace of the truth that God reveals. What's beautifully found in this particular chapter is that whole understanding of the faith pilgrimage. We are on a journey. It's a wonderful section for us to meditate on, isn't it? It is. We've been speaking about this relationship that we are able to have with God in faith. That relationship helps us engage the truths of our faith. But then we know that engagement is something that grows and matures, and we are called to do that. Many of us who were raised in the Catholic faith had a child's faith at one time. We hope now that we have an adult faith, that our faith has matured. And that's happened because we have been taught because we've prayed, because we've had a number of experiences within the community of believers. Perhaps we've fallen in sin and gotten up through God's grace and accepted God's mercy. All of those experiences express in a new way the invitation from God to take another step in his direction to remain engaged in a more mature way all the time, a more um, understanding way all the time. When we look at the example of the saints, or the patriarch from the Old Testament, such as Abraham, to realize that nobody started out to be a saint. The Blessed Mother is a separate case, we know. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the saints who we honor on the liturgical calendar began at some point with the beginnings of faith, the first invitation from God, their first response. And that response had to be renewed again and again. And they are saints because they kept responding and remained open to receiving more of what God was offering, were able to become more engaged. They may have experienced dark periods. They may have experienced a time of weak faith, a time when they perhaps thought, thought at least in terms of their experience, that God maybe was very far away. But God continued to offer the gift of faith. They continued to grab hold of it, to respond in faith. They stayed on the pilgrimage, and now the pilgrimage for them is over. They have life with God, and that's the point of faith. It's one of the reasons why the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is such a valuable resource for a Catholic living in America, is the fact that it does take the catechism and adapts it to our cultural experience. And it really takes off 
in this particular section where it talks about the founding of our country and the struggle of the Catholic thought, even compared in the relationship with the founding fathers in America and their experience. It, it really is quite wonderful to have this. It is. As we've been talking about the gift of faith, the relationship of faith, and then the chapter four ends with talking about some of the challenges to the faith to, in a sense, help bring it down to earth in a good sense for us. To, to see that in this nation in which we have been blessed in so many ways, and where the Catholic faith really has flourished. It hasn't always been appreciated and hasn't always been even tolerated in some places. But overall, you know, we see in, in our time the flowering, really, of Catholic life in so many places, and we have seen it for now for generations. But the nature of our government and of our, of our society isn't always compatible with the gift of faith and with God's plan. As you say, even from the founding of the of the country, there was a sort of a defective notion, we might say, of God's relationship with the world and God's desire to have a personal relationship with his sons and daughters and to provide life for us, the beginning of the experience of life in God, even here, not just something so far removed from us. Way beyond that, though, some of the uh, origins, we now recognize that our culture has become very secular in so many ways. And so in one sense, just ignoring that faith is an important part of human life and experience, and in, in a perverse way, inviting us to think that we can live without a relationship with God. The secular culture is very immediate, it's very noisy, it's very seductive, it, you know, just very present, makes so many things so present to us, both tantalizing things, frightening things, in a sense all designed to distract us, keep our focus in the here and now, unaware perhaps, or ignoring uh, this beautiful invitation of faith that's being offered. In the midst of all this, God isn't put off by all that's happening around us and wants us to hear from him the invitation to have life in him and to welcome our Savior Jesus Christ into the circumstances in which we find ourselves so that he can help us navigate our way from here to the goal of the life of faith, eternal life with God. It expresses it very well in the challenge that we have in Chapter 4 in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults that the Church continues to apply principles flowing from her faith to public policy. And that's that idea of that relationship in that interaction with God, what he reveals to us and how we express that, it does extend into the public arena. It has to because we live in the world. We live in the culture. Well, and that's what God has revealed he, he wants us to do, to be a leaven for society, to be, a, to be a light for the world. If there's any kind of an overriding effect of some kind of religious thought in this country over so many generations, it's been a, a kind of Protestant notion that faith can be a very private thing, or maybe should be. And so there are many in our history, but so certainly in our current situation, who would really encourage and respect people to keep their faith to themselves. The notion of, as we speak here in this country, the separation of church and state is often seen in a defective way, where there's supposed to be a wall erected so that people's faith and their expression of faith doesn't bleed over into anything public. And of course, that's not the commission that Jesus has given to us, and that's not the, the rich faith that has been passed on to us in the church where we know we want to have a lively faith in the parish, in the community of believers, but then we're sent out at the end of every Mass to bring the light of the gospel into the circumstances of our day. And as Jesus did, we always offer it as an invitation. And it's a reflection, really, of the gift of faith itself. It's the invitation to see more of the truth, 
to experience more our humanity in its full dignity as God has created us in his own image and likeness. And it's our responsibility and our privilege to share the truths of our faith. We invite people to join us in responding to God in faith if that's what the Lord is offering to them at that moment. But in any case, because of the close relationship of faith and reason, to be able to speak reasonably to our brothers and sisters as faith-filled people about the dignity of the human person and about God's plan for the human family. To be able to authentically express ourselves as people of faith, it's so important that we don't put up that wall that you talked about, not only in politics, if there is a politician who is a Catholic, that he's able to express himself fully and not have that separation, but it also for the Catholic businessman or woman, the Catholic teacher. Wherever we're present in the world, it would be dangerous in that relationship if we had to put up a partition. It's not the fullness of that gift of faith. And it really is the, um, the particular responsibility and privilege of the lay faithful to bring the light of the gospel to the world, to these circumstances that you have described, to the home and family. There's no place, really, that should be off limits to sharing the light of the gospel and certainly for a faith-filled person to be living his or her faith, if nothing else, as an example and encouragement to others uh, to see things in a new and, and a different way was a point made very strongly by the fathers of the Second Vatican Council. It's not a new truth at all, but it's been renewed in our time. And as the Holy Father these days calls us to this new evangelization, this needs to be recognized as an essential part of that, that the faith is to be lived and shared and not kept as a private possession. A prayer found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Any final thoughts? Well, I th- this chapter reminds us that we just can't take the gift of faith for granted. And mm-hmm. as we said at the beginning of this segment, it's a very beautiful chapter in terms of just breaking open the notion of faith. So I w- would encourage people to have the chance to read and reflect on it. And certainly something that we can do every day is to say thanks to God for the gift of faith. Because it starts with God. It's not something we can make on our own. We can't reach God from where we are. God reaches to us and and invites us to respond. Thank you, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. To learn more about the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults, go to usccb.org, the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor.
Join me next time for the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas.